as we evolve cleaner technologies, mm -hmm. uh, Nigeria needs to sort of embrace them. Hello and welcome to the All On Podcast. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Tolu Oyekon, the head of BCG Nigeria, on a topic that is considered defining challenge of our generation, climate change. Hi Tolu, nice to have you. Hi Tovi, thanks thanks for having me. It's uh, like you said, it's it's a topic that is a defining one for our, for these times. Very excited to uh, share perspectives on it. Okay, let's let's get straight to it. Um, sustainability to some is some fanciful pursuit. Some see it as a necessity. And in Nigeria, if you go to the street, you're likely to swing in between both cycles. Some see it as just does it really count? Is this something we should consider important? So, in the Nigerian context, what's the drive behind sustainability and why does it matter? Yeah, I think uh, uh, the, the definition is an important one uh, to, to, to start with, if you will, right? Like, uh, in full transparency, I've been doing this work for a bit now, but even this morning when I was thinking about coming, I had to sort of like go to open AI, generative AI, and say, you know, and ask myself the same questions, like, what is sustainability? Um, really, I think sustainability is at least three things, right? One is um, the idea of resource management, right? Like, trying to use the resources that we have, which are finite, uh, in better ways, right? So mm -hmm. when we talk about sustainability, we could be referring to that. Another bit of it is just, like, environmental stewardship, Right, like we're in this environment, and the the things that we put in the environment affect us, but also, um, you know, in a lot of ways, in terms of our health, in terms of our well-being. If we're dumping plastics on the ground and they're end, uh, ending up in the lagoon in Lagos, you know, they have implications. So, environmental stewardship and management, I think, is another is another element of sustainability. And of course, this climate change. Mm -hmm. um, the I believe the science is clear that. Uh, human action and, you know, uh, pollution and contributing to climate change. And so I think when we talk about sustainability, we talk about about those those three as well. Uh, I think even from the definition, you can maybe argue that even in Nigeria, talking about sustainability makes sense. But there are several even more specific reasons why I think it makes sense for us. I think, um, you know, from the resource management standpoint, right, like mm -hmm. our resources are finite. Regardless of you know how you know, some of the other constraints that we're facing, resources are finite. The the forestation and the wood that we're chopping to uh, make charcoal and cook, um, you know, like those things are finite, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, and so we need to be thoughtful about that, even in Nigeria. Yeah. I think the you know when we don't handle our waste properly. Um, and we have water stagnating and we have, you know, mosquitoes breeding and everybody's getting malaria, mm -hmm. right? Like that environmental, it, it, it matters as well, mm -hmm. right? Um, you can even think sort of on the social side, if, you know, we're destroying fishing villages and the environment there or, you know, the tremendous amount of plastics we dump in Lagos sort of ends up in the lagoon mm -hmm. and, and the the local fishery uh, communities are sort of impacted. This is like you're impacting people's lives on a social uh, basis. Uh, you know, from the, from the positive side as well, I mean, thought, thinking about sustainability actually creates opportunity, economic upside as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I use more efficient light bulbs and LED and, you know, I'm able to sort of save money, right? If I think about energy efficiency as a, as a business owner and an industrial player, like my cost of energy drops. Mm -hmm. If we get people more electricity, you're able to and, and able to use it productively, right? The economic capacity and the ability of those individuals to sort of earn money is important even here in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's also this sort of like political side of it, which we don't think about. Oftentimes in politics, and I'm not a politician, I don't claim to be one, uh, but if we choose as a country to sort of engage on this topic of climate change and sustainability, we have opportunity to sort of like build friends um, uh, as well. So I don't, I don't want to minimize the fact that it's a bit of a harder 
discussion for us as a developing economy yeah. than say more developed um, economies of the world and we should talk about that mm -hmm. but I do think it is also a relevant conversation and we need to be having those conversations on sustainability uh, as well. T so t talking about conversations, um, COVID happened mm -hmm. and an illness or a disease condition threw the world into something else. It changed the way we walk, the way we live and every other thing. Now, has anything changed since, as I, I put more appropriately, has COVID made climate change, the conversation around climate change and sustainability better in terms of people are now aware that there's something we need to care about. There are things that are not immediate threats but can crystallize in future. How, so how has, how has COVID impacted the conversation on climate change? Yes, it's a good question. I, I think the probably a lot of the full impact of COVID on the topics of the sustainability and climate change, it's probably going to take a while to materialize. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I'm not a, an, a social scientist or an anthropologist, so I don't really know um, what the full answer would be. But I do think that COVID showed us that some things that we thought are impossible are more possible. Um, you know, during COVID, I have, you know, a lot of our team members began to work remotely. A lot of our clients, you know, began to work remotely. Uh, the traffic in Lagos reduced as in a lot of other parts mm -hmm. of, of the world. The way we move ourselves on transportation is uh, one of the things that contributes in non-trivial ways to, to climate change. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think COVID showed us that the way we work can be modified. Now, you know, we're social creatures, and I still believe, maybe um, archaically, I still believe that uh, there is efficiency to sort of in-person interaction, at least some, some amount of it. Mm -hmm. I think we can innovate a bit better. We can sort of solve problems better when we engage and see each other physically. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe we don't need to do that all the time, particularly, by the way, when you're starting a new relationship or like building a new sort of like team. I think, uh, and I'm hoping to be wrong eventually, but I still think that there is some, there's still a non-trivial value to sort of engaging as a human one-to-one -one with people. Mm -hmm. But COVID showed us that we can do a ton um, remotely and leveraging digital resources as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's one clear, uh, you know, good that that's coming out of this sort of tragic Mm -hmm. uh, you know, situation that okay. we've, we've all been stuck in, you know, for, you know, a few years, a few okay. years now. <clears throat> okay. So um, let, let's, let's go away from the influence of COVID and how it's probably affected perception on climate change and that's driving um, certain initiatives and come to Nigeria. Um, if, you, if you put on your TV, you go on Bloomberg, you open the reports of the financials of major corporations across the world, you see a whole session dedicated to ESG. Mm -hmm. You see them talking about their climate initiative, how the organization is trying to be carbon zero, net zero, all of those lingua. In Nigeria, it has not reached their height, right? Both for the corporates, they're trying, but it's not as prominent as you find in the US, the UK. And the question is, how is the Nigerian situation different from advanced economies uh, in terms of approach and how government, the, the private sector, even individuals approach climate change and yeah. sustainability. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, necessarily, you know, each country would need to think about their approach in a way that balances their level of development versus sort of the economic situation of their people versus sort of like the social norms of their people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, versus, you know, what the environment needs from us, right? Like, by the way, the thing about climate, right? Like, it's not, it's not something you can sort of like trap in one country. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, Nigeria is one of the countries in the world that will be mo most um, negatively impacted by climate change, right? 
Um, even though, by the way, Nigeria is, and, and Africa as a whole has contributed a trivial amount when you think about regions and countries of the world mm -hmm. to the emissions that are driving climate change. So we will be impacted significantly. So that requires that we are part of the conversation, but also just as good global citizens, right? Like we don't want to be, you know, those people um, that choose not to act. Um, and by the way, I think Nigeria is sort of leading, um, you know, by example, you know, we've issued our NDCs, you know, the Nigeria Council on Climate Change has been, has been formed to sort of drive action on this. Um, so I think Nigeria will lead on this. I think we must lead on it and I think we will lead on it and, and be a model for the African continent on, on, on this topic. But you necessarily need to sort of balance all of, all of these, these trade-offs. Mm -hmm. I think um, we need to take an integrated approach um, in Nigeria and I think everybody needs to, but we need to. In a lot of developing parts of the world, um, you know, where you have infrastructures already built, infrastructure yeah. was sort of built over time, leveraging some of these resources and approaches that we are challenging now that are not as green or climate friendly. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a bit easier and more comfortable to have conversations around, you know, becoming greener. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, you know, you're sitting in an air-conditioned room because it's hot and you can sort of, you know, increase okay. your electricity or you have uh, gas infrastructure or other infrastructure that can sort of like heat and cool your homes or, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, you've just, you're more developed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so for us in Nigeria and a lot of sub-Saharan African countries, we need to sort of take that integrated approach to thinking through uh, how we address climate change. Um, you know, we, and I'm happy to sort of talk about some more specific ideas, mm -hmm. but, you know, can we build greener, uh, yeah. you know, uh, for things that we need, you know, mm -hmm. can we, uh, you know, and where we cannot be completely green immediately, right, can we sort of set a path to being green? Mm -hmm. And I think the NDCs of Nigeria uh, has done that, for example, laid out a path to being net zero by 2060 mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, with a plan to sort of issue climate action plans every five years uh, and in those climate action plans you know depending on how fast we move perhaps we can even go even go faster but I think that commitment and that date has mm -hmm. been set there developing countries uh, such as Nigeria will probably need a bit slightly longer mm -hmm. time than the rest of the world but I think you know developing countries should, developed countries should sort of get there earlier mm -hmm. uh, and collectively we need to all be working toward toward this because you know climate change is real i believe it's real mm -hmm. uh and i think we all need to be acting okay. on it so, so look, you mentioned something about um having to consider all of the cards on the table and looking at the three doors choosing what's important and achieving balance right yes and the infrastructure deficit in nigeria is exceeding to finance it is 30, 30, about 30 trillion, in excess of 30 trillion. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, it's going to mean you have to build more bridges. You have to get more factories. You have to get more refineries. You, everything. And these things have huge impact on the climate, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the question is, for a country with huge, I mean, there's, there's a lot of budget deficit, finance is not readily available, after you see all of these things playing out in the short to medium term, how, how do we balance this? Yeah. By the way, I think a more, a, a, a country with better infrastructure actually um, longer term contributes less to, to sort of the emissions oh, from yeah. climate change, I believe. For example, you know, if we have the right in irrigation infrastructure and we have the right um, agricultural practices, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even if we get there in ways that are not completely green from the beginning, the fact that we have less fragmentation and better infrastructure means people can probably do things in less, in ways that are less damaging to the environment. Mm -hmm. So I think building robust infrastructure in of itself is actually um, contributes, people, we don't often think about that to, to climate change. For example, like just putting everybody on the grid or just electrifying ev everything, mm -hmm. even when you're 
you know, your source of electricity may not be the cleanest to begin mm -hmm. with, it's better than having fragmented diesel generators um, um, across the country. So uh, I do think we need to build infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say, you know, maybe maybe three things. I think one is as we as we evolve cleaner technologies, mm -hmm. uh, Nigeria needs to sort of embrace them. Um, so I think that's one thing we need to do. For example, you know, carbon capture and storage, right? It's the idea of, you know, capturing carbon from refineries, you know, and industrial operations that are emitting CO2. Yeah. And can we leverage those resources, even though we are perhaps emitting, having gone through those industrial processes that are emitting, we have this capture technologies that, um, you know, prevent the, the carbon from getting into the atmosphere and sort of like contributing more to mm -hmm. climate change. Um, you know, green cement, like you said, you mentioned we need to build all these bridges. Uh, the world is looking and investing in, in, in you know, in green cement uh, capabilities, green steel capabilities. Can we adopt these things mm -hmm. as, they, as they become available? There's this idea of leapfrogging, right? We don't have to sort of go uh, the, the traditional ways um, mm -hmm. for some of this thing. Now, so that's one thing. And some of that, secondly, is we'll be able to sort of invest ourselves, but a lot of that we're going to need to sort of partner with other, other people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think there are countries around the world that may be more advanced mm -hmm. uh, that can collaborate with Nigeria and other sub-Saharan African countries mm -hmm. to sort of with, with funding or technology transfer that allows us to balance this trade-off of we need to develop now mm -hmm. uh, and we also want to be green and help yeah. us but we also have limited resources mm -hmm. and help and help balance the trade-offs and I think maybe the third element is just when we have to build infrastructure and other things in a way that's not fully green let's make sure that what we're doing is critical but keeps us on the path to our NDCs. Mm -hmm. You know, Nigeria is committed to be net zero by 2040, uh, by 2060, I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, even when we're not fully renewable or we're not fully green in what we're doing, we want to make sure that we continue to sort of stay on that trajectory mm -hmm. um, and, not, and, not, and, and not sort of like, you know, stray away from it. Because I think those NDCs are commitments that all that countries are making, not all countries have made them, but countries are making and allows everybody to sort of collaborate and plan mm -hmm. such that, you know, if a developing country such as ours sort of is emitting a little more uh, at, a, at a point in our journey, other people can, can emit okay. less and we're so all moving toward the right uh, temperature temperature target. Okay. So um, we, we, we've, we've been very forward looking and so let's, let's look at things as they are right now. And it comes as a surprise to many that agriculture or even subsistence farming and all of that contributes a lot mm -hmm. to climate change. Mm -hmm. I mean, people will have thought because Nigeria's agricultural systems are still largely subsistence, things should be fine. And so when you say agriculture, when people hear that agriculture contributes a lot to climate change, there's always the surprise. And I'm equally surprised. And the question to you is, what can be done mm -hmm. considering the state of agriculture now? How, how, how greener can we make it? Mm -hmm. How more sustainable can we make agriculture? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you know, um, I'm not an agriculture expert and it's, it's one that, that is very important to me as well. And I talked to some of our ag agriculture experts on this uh, because you're right. You know, agriculture, forestry, land use, these are significant contributors to climate change in, in Nigeria and other parts of the world. Um, and by the way, we cannot run away from agriculture. And I'm, I don't mean we don't, cannot run away from agriculture because agriculture provides us food and all that. But actually, you know, if you think about, there's a lot of arable land, right? Nigeria, we have over a third of our land is arable land. Um, you know, um, about a third or more of our, of our GDP comes from agriculture. About a third of our people are employed in agriculture. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we still have a lot of rural areas that sort of depend on, 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 you know, cutting down trees and charcoal to sort of meet their livelihoods. So, 
uh, it's quite an important one. Um, and I think there's, there's a lot that needs to be done. Obviously, we need to, um, as much as possible, reduce the fragmented style of agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not because you want to prevent people from growing land in their small pockets, but are there ways that we can share infrastructure and share resources um, better? Uh, so I think you know, that's something that can probably reduce uh, contribute positively to climate change, to, to uh, positive to climate change. I think there are a lot of other like smart agricultural practices, uh, you know, more precise use of um, fertilizer and inputs. You know, one, one, you know, if you use fertilizer in, a, in, a, in an indiscriminate way, you can have runoffs that are polluting the streams or polluting mm-hmm. the environment. So I think being more thoughtful um, about that could also could also help. And, you know, I think the thing is, smart agricultural practices, it's, it's been found in, in my limited understanding of it to actually increase the efficiency and effectiveness of the farmers mm-hmm. while also sort of contributing positively. So, I mean, there's also a bit of education and awareness building around um, our farmers as well as, you know, people who generally depend on the land. Mm-hmm. On, on, um, on ways to do you know smarter agriculture, mm-hmm. uh, you know more sustainable agriculture. But I, I do agree that just given the significance of agriculture and land use uh, practices to climate change, we need to act. But also because on a social side, a lot of people depend on it. On the economic side, a lot of people depend on it. Yeah. Uh, is one of those things you know that we need to focus on in Nigeria going forward. Thanks, thanks. Um, so this is um, bring the conversation to BCG. BCG is a renowned expert in they play. You guys play a lot in the climate finance sustainability space. You were partners on COP twenty seven and I believe COP twenty eight. Yes. And you also do a lot of work with government, private sector on achieving sustainability goals mm-hmm. in, in Africa, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Do, do you want to tell us more about? BCG's work, especially in Africa, yes, on climate change. Thank you for that question. It, it allows me to sort of like self-promote a little bit and, <laughs> and humble brag. Um, you know, I appreciate it. So listen, you know, there are a lot of issues in the world. Um, and one of our values at BCG is social impact. That, that means, you know, in every single thing that we do, impacting the world is a, whether we are working you know, primarily with a private sector client mm-hmm. or we're working with a public sector client or we're working with a philanthropy or social sector client. The idea of impact is ingrained into everything that we do. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned earlier, one of the most, one of the, one of the topics that would define, you know, the world over the next decades is climate change. And so that necessarily is an area where we need to sort of be attentive and try to drive impact. Uh, if I think about lives and livelihoods, it's one of those things too that would touch so many lives. You know, while in developing parts of the world we can talk about human capital development and a lot of things that you have as your your, your society matures, um, in other parts of the world you may not sort of talk about those things as much. Perhaps you talk about inequality, but climate change will affect everybody. Yeah. Um, and, and so. At BCG, we want to be the most positively impactful company in the world, touching a billion lives over the next few years. And so this is why this is very important to us. Uh, and you find us talking to, about climate to private sector clients, like banks uh, you know, that are trying to drive financial access or also make more money, but we also sort of talk to them about cli- uh, climate change. Um, we invest with a lot of um, conveners, you know, like the UNFCCC, you talk about COP27 mm-hmm. and the COP presidency. Um, we've been investing and partnering with them for several years. I think we'll continue to do that. Um, so I think that's why we're, we're in this space. And I would say we are also learning, right? So mm-hmm. I don't, you talked about us being, you know, experts and we, we do have experts and we are experts, but we also understand that this is something that's evolving rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we are also trying to learn and as part of engaging with all of these other actors is we're doing it because we want to sort of drive impact, share the skill sets that we have with the world, but also we want to learn um, how to be greener. 
you know, BCG, we are walking the talk as well when it comes to climate change, mm -hmm. you know, um, making sure that in the way we use resources internally, we try to use them better. Uh, in the way that we sort of handle our waste, we try to do that better. Um, and from a mitigation standpoint, you know, when we must fly because we're client services and we need to see people mm -hmm. and see our clients, uh, we're ensuring that we are net zero in our operations um, as well. Okay, thanks, thanks for the insight. Um, <clears throat> talking about transport, um, uh, in the US, the UK, and for like G7 economies, electronic e-vehicles e like are becoming dominant. It's it's a new business model. Yeah. It's a new social class, uh, sort of, to the extent certain kinds of people. Yeah. But at the end of the day, is helping them achieve certain like sustainability goals. Yeah. In yeah. Nigeria, to third of everybody that goes out uses motor vehicles yeah. powered by petrol. Yes. And it's, what, what, what can change yeah. considering the fact that power supply is epileptic yes. and people have to go out. So electronic vehicles might not have an immediate um, <coughs> capture market, yes. right? Because of the deficit. Yes. At the same time, it's seen as expensive. Yes. But where does that put us yeah. in Nigeria? It's a great question. By the way, one of the things we must do from a climate mitigation standpoint is to electrify everything. I, I, I genuinely believe that um, we, we need to electrify everything um, as, as one of the things we're doing. And, and by the way, I'm not suggesting that we'll be able to sort of get all of our electricity from green sources, but I think... Mm -hmm. Just electrifying everything, even if the sources of electricity themselves are not completely green, is still a necessity and moves us, mm -hmm. uh, moves us further along on the journey. And so I think, uh, and electrifying everything, by the way, uh, means maybe, you know, we can even leapfrog, right? So maybe in those rural environments, they're not yet on the grid. We'll just find a way to sort of give them solar mini -grids. Um, and, and mini-grids to, uh, to get them electrified. And, and, and that should sort of drive... You know, maybe take them off of using kerosene lanterns and um, you know and charcoal and uh, so so electrifying everything I think is one of uh, the considerations yeah. uh, and you know EVs you know it's one of those things where you think we're not ready and then mm -hmm. we sort of people start to experiment and then we find that we may be readier uh, than we truly are right. Um, the Lagos State Government um, right now, I think, I believe with Orlando Clean Energies, mm -hmm. they are launching um, uh, electric buses. Yeah. Uh, I, I was reading in the news a couple of days ago, I think it's, you know, the first hundred buses or so yeah. have been brought into the country to sort of pilot, uh, to pilot in, in, in Lagos. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, before they did that, I also always asked the question of, well, we need... We don't even have enough electricity to do sort of the basic things we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, we need to sort of continue to invest in our electricity infrastructure. Yeah. And so making the leap to electric vehicles may be a bit farther away, but maybe not, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, we may build captive, we may need to start building captive generation capacities across, across the country. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as making them as green as possible, of course, that allows us to sort of build this electric vehicle infrastructure, um, you know, around, around, around Lagos first and maybe around the country. It may not be the case. We have seen that we have the ability to sort of leapfrog in a lot of ways. For example, you don't see people, you don't see us building landlines rapidly yeah. <laughs> across the country anymore, right? Like mm -hmm. we've, we've leap, leapfrogged mostly. Yeah. To, to, to cellular technology and, and mobile phones. And perhaps we can leapfrog, um, you know, and, and, and move toward um, EVs faster than we think. And I think we'll learn a lot from this uh, legal state experiment with Owando Clean Energies uh, on EV. I think definitely we're gonna, we're gonna learn a lot and see, and see how we can do it. But necessarily, EVs require um, charging infrastructure that requires, you know, 
some access to reliable Power. electricity. And how do we build that out is, 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 is to be decided. But I think this experiment going on would be, would be an interesting one. Um, I've, I've always believed that there are parts of the country where investing in clean energies, it's a viable business, mm -hmm. right? There are parts, you know, we often think about green electricity, solar energy from a uh, public good um, rural electrification standpoint, but I think there are parts of this country where it's actually a viable business, where there are people that will become billionaires with a B, mm -hmm. dollar-denominated billionaires by building green electricity infrastructure. And I wonder if this experiment ongoing is one of those one of those examples because so. Lagos, you know, we spend a tremendous amount on uh, on on diesel generators. Yeah on trying to sort of generate electricity. So is it truly the case that people cannot pay uh, to have solar installation in their home instead of using diesel generators? Um, obviously, you're shifting money a bit from, you know, one-time capital investment to long-term ongoing operational expense to like a larger capital investment and low operational expense going forward. Uh, but Places like Lagos can do that and you can build those businesses. So I think this experiment on electric buses in Lagos is going in that direction as well, that perhaps Lagos can lead the way on EVs. And um, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Interesting perspective. I am bullish, though. I am very <laughs> bullish on this, if you ask me. Okay. So let's, let's go more macro, right? And when you say sustainability, uh, climate, climate, and people always think, you have to incur in the short run its costs and with maybe some benefits in future that you cannot quantify. Are they, and the question to you is are the immediate benefits that people can get from, or societies or businesses can get from being climate friendly in their approach? Are there new business models that can be developed? Um, is, can we create jobs and not just take away jobs like people think? Um, can can so generally, what's the, what what are the upsides to being climate friendly apart from the ecological consequences that we're probably trying to um, curtail? Yeah, you know, I am not. I tend to believe that change is a good thing, and most change can bring about more benefits than not. Mm -hmm. This is an approach that I take, you know. Um, I told you this morning, I, don't, I think I mentioned it, I don't remember, but I mentioned that I didn't really have a lot of time to prep for this until I opened a generative AI app and I was just asking a bunch of questions on sustainability and climate change. And that's, that was my prep. I did that, you know, like an hour before this. Mm -hmm. uh, people will talk about generative AI and AI uh, sometimes from a, you know, negative standpoint or concern mm -hmm. but something like that for example i believe will actually sort of create more opportunities for us than not uh i think about his attention to climate change you know from that from that standpoint um mm -hmm. as well and maybe sustainability more broadly if you think sustainability is climate change plus environmental uh stewardship plus you know resource management mm -hmm. you know if we don't clog our gutters in Lagos with waste and we dispose our waste up properly and we don't have stagnant, uh, you know, like water and uh, mosquitoes don't breed near us. Mm -hmm. uh, more than likely, the malaria prevalence will, will be lowered. Yeah. That's not a mac macro thing. That is today. If, you, mm -hmm. if, we, you know, if we sort of like clear <laughs> an environment of waste and we keep it, you know, clean, it will have immediate impact sure. um, on 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 people's lives. From an economic standpoint, like a lot of these things actually create a tremendous amount of jobs. One of the things that gives me excitement is now I see people um, increasingly at a large scale, not just fragmented, people walking around just picking up plastics because mm -hmm. people get paid now uh, to sort of recycle those plastics. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of other types of jobs and opportunities that will, will, will come. And, you know, it's actually easier to be, I believe, to be 
a solar technician than to be um you know like in a, someone like electrical engineer yeah. or or someone who is sort of like climbing the poles for the grid and touching like high voltage wires mm -hmm. so there are there are actually jobs to be to be created um as well so i think there are all bigger societal benefits from taking this sort of sustainable mindset but i'm talking about impact on people's lives in a matter of weeks um and and, and months as well of course as we think about sustainability within our context, it needs to always be integrated. And it will not be the way countries that are fully developed will take will, will, will approach it. But I think we must have those conversations. And by the way, I think organizations such as ours and, and yours and through platforms like this, we need to continue to sort of like build capacity and engage everyone such that, you know, my 94-year-old grandma can understand what role that she plays mm -hmm. in this. And, you know, um, family members that maybe don't have, you know, the kind of education that all of us have can understand how to do this. And people across different age groups and uh, um, educational experience can understand how they can contribute to it. Mm -hmm. It is not the case that we are too poor uh, or not as fully developed uh, and so we don't engage on this. Hmm. Um, how we engage must be tailored and the world must respect our constraints, mm -hmm. but we need to be part of the conversation mm -hmm. uh, and we need to be uh, global citizens uh, uh, when it comes to the, the concept of sustainability and climate change hmm. uh, in Nigeria. Thanks, thanks. Um, talk, talking about engaging, uh, I sort of get the feeling that almost a larger part of the conversation is about climate finance. How are we financing it? Do we have enough money? Where do we get the capital to drive this kind of both uh, technology and behavioral changes? But it stops there to a large extent. Few people or fewer conversations are held about other priorities that can help us achieve the net zero target, especially in developing economics. And so to you, what, what do you think are like the top two things aside finance that needs to, priorities or imperatives that need to be put in place yeah. for we to achieve all of our sustainability and climate goals? You know, uh, you know, they say, they say, and I'll try to say it in English because, you know, I'm sure your, your, your listeners are broad, but they say, you know, like, if I just translate directly from Yoruba, it's like sweet soup. Uh, you know, needs oh. money, right? Mm -hmm. I think the reason we talk a lot about money is because, and, and capital is because, quite frankly, like everything still goes through how you're able to get money and how much money you can get. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a, a lot of the infrastructure uh, needs in Nigeria and other parts of, of Africa are linked to the fact that we're resource constrained, right? And um, I've seen a lot of different numbers in terms of the infrastructure deficit yeah. uh, in Nigeria and in Africa. So to sort of like close those gaps, you need a tremendous amount of money. And I think that's why we always talk about money. In the end, money is very, very important. Yeah. But I think in addition to money, now we need planning. And planning is important because you need to know what to do. But planning is also important because Proper planning allows you to be efficient with the most limited resources. Yeah. Planning allows you to sort of identify what are the levers that make the most sense for you um, and in what timeline, because mm -hmm. sometimes you need to prioritize. So I think there's financing, but there's also planning. Um, and it's planning where you figure out, okay, well, what are the specific levers that we need to pay attention to? Um, you know, And perhaps the levers that you need to pay attention to in a, in a, in a city like Lagos, that's a coastal city, maybe different from what you do in you know in abuja uh or in borno so i think planning is important two specific um things around planning that two ideas that i i feel strongly about that we need to sort of pay attention to is this idea of electrif electrifying everything i think just electrify as as much of uh you know the way that we you know produce our things and the mm -hmm. way that we live in our homes and the way that we move around, even though that one may be a bit challenging. Let's <laughs> see what Lagos and Oando do. Just electrifying as much as we can, I think, 
will be important. I think agriculture, we talked about this, agriculture okay. and land use, um, you know, figuring out what are the specific things we want to do around agriculture, given how important it is to us, is another mm. thing. But I think planning generally will be one thing I will add. Okay. You know, integrated, tailored uh, planning is one thing I'll add. Maybe another thing I'll add, which maybe we haven't spent as much time talking about today, is the idea of building adaptation and resilience. Okay. Uh, and you can argue that that may even be more urgent for us than in than than even the mitigation, which often is what we're talking about. Because you know, mitigation is saying, you know, reducing your emissions, capturing, uh, you know, but adaptation and resilience is saying, okay, well, how do we build a world that can where where human lives um, you know are protected infrastructure is protected even when the risks of climate change uh, do materialize the nigeria is one of if you think about our emission on a per capita basis mm -hmm. nigeria is one of the lowest emitters in the world but it's one of those countries that will be the most adversely affected by climate change and so we need to build adaptation and resilience. And, and what does that mean? I think, you know, we need to sort of build, make sure our infrastructure is actually resilient, right? So where do we need to build, where do we need to sort of raise the level of the ground, you know, where we're exposed to sea level rise, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, where do we need to build shared infrastructure such that when it's too hot, people, we don't lose lives because of extreme heat. Yeah. Um, so we need to sort of build resilient infrastructure. I think that's one thing. Another thing is we also need to build resilient communities. So, uh, you know, in Borno, for example, right, you know, in that Lake Chad region, we're beginning to see, um, you know, droughts and the, the lake is drying up and, and our communities are beginning to sort of feel the strain of, mm -hmm. of climate change. And probably you will begin to see some conflicts that are indirectly uh, driven by that. We need to sort of be proactive about planning to make sure that People's lives and livelihoods are protected, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as 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 we see these risks of climate change materialize. Mm -hmm. And then I think maybe the third thing is we need to just improve our planning ability and and, and ability to respond. That includes mm -hmm. uh, gathering more data so that we can forecast when things will happen, when there will be flooding, uh, so that we can respond and make sure that people uh, people's lives are quickly returned uh, to to normal after climate disaster. So I think. In general, in addition to the financing point, mm -hmm. we need planning. Planning allows us to ensure that we can um, respond appropriately. We can be effective mm -hmm. and efficient with limited resources. And I think we also need to pay attention to building resilience uh, to some of some of these climate risks. Okay. Thanks. <coughs> Thanks a lot, um, Tolu. So <coughs> this is this is always the uh, pattern shot, right? And it, it's even more particularly suited to you. You, you're meeting three groups of people, three groups of individuals slash people. You're meeting someone, the average Lagosian or average Nigerian. You're meeting a business leader and you're meeting a policy maker. What are the advice you're giving to each of those three categories? Wow, that's, that's quite big. So a uh, policy maker, a business leader, yeah. and, and the average individual. The average individual. On the topic of sustainability and specifically climate change. Yeah. If I think about the individual, I think sometimes people say things like, who does this thing help? You know, and we say it in a very colloquial way, which is not H-E-L-P, but maybe more like H-E-P. Right? So <laughs> I can imagine I'm speaking to someone who's saying, who climate change help, right? You know, yeah. someone who's sort of like thinking about, um, you know, like earning their wage today. You know, we know a lot of our people are day wage earners. Yeah. So like I'm someone who's thinking about, you know, like livelihood today. One of the things that frustrates people when we talk about the climate change is people say things like, let's protect our planet for the future, mm -hmm. which is important. But these kinds of individuals, I imagine are saying things like, who cares about the future when I'm still worried about now? Yeah. You know, if you're protecting the future, you're protecting for yourself when people who are struggling now may not even be around to sort of engage this in this future, right? Okay, okay. So I think for that person, I would take the perspective of like, how do I bring this to your now? Uh, and I think, you know, my, 
challenge to them would be talking to them about how this affects them today. You know, okay. we've talked about how a mindset around sustainability helps us sort of live better lives and sort of like reduce illness. Mm -hmm. I will talk to them from that standpoint. We've talked about how it allows people to sort of get jobs and upskill themselves. I will talk to them about that perspective. Mm -hmm. So help them understand that if they think about sustainability, you know, it could actually allow them to earn more. You know, today it can actually allow them to sort of like save on healthcare expenses and just like live mm -hmm. better lives. Uh, and then, you know, I don't, I'm not a, I don't think human beings are that different. Right. I don't think Nigerians just have a different way of thinking and different minds than someone from a developed part of the world. I think it's just people are constantly making trade-offs mm -hmm. based on their current realities. Okay. So, you know, while I appeal to this individual in terms of how it can affect them today, then I think there's also a bit around telling them about the future, you know, um, and their children uh, and, and, and what kind of world they want to leave to their children as well. So this is how I would... Um, you know, approach the conversation for an individual. Mm -hmm. I'm probably a bit more eloquent because I would have thought about the conversation. Then. <laughs> no worries, fine. I think if I think about a business uh, in person, I think there's been schools of thought that say the job of business is to maximize shareholder value. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's part of it. Uh, but it, I don't believe that that's all of it, right? The, the job of business is to sort of maximize to total societal value. Mm -hmm. And that's value to your investors, values to the community, value to your employees. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, you know, I would appeal to them across those three, those three dimensions, try to help them understand how a focus, you know, on climate change sort of helps. You know, at BCG, we take climate seriously and we, you know, we are net zero um, mm -hmm. in our operations, um, you know, for, for the world and the community, it's the right thing to do. Uh, it's a bit hypocritical to be attending these convening events and COP27 and now COP28 and, and talking about climate change and we're not cleaning house. So we are net zero as mm -hmm. a firm. Uh, but then when we do that as well, from a community standpoint, it actually has an impact on our people as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and it increases our value proposition. We find uh, that our people are happier being in an organization that, that, that thinks about sustainability. Um, in fact, you know, we, we, climate change and sustainability tends to be a, a theme across a lot of the work that we do now. And when our teams are working on work that doesn't have things to do with sustainability or climate, mm -hmm. like they actually are attracted. They want to do this kind <laughs> of work. So, um, you know, businesses can see the, the societal value uh, and how that improves their reputation, but you can also see how it impacts uh, your people and for things like climate change and also things like AI they will require new business models and they will be uh, profit maximizing work uh, ideas that come out of it mm -hmm. so as a business you also want to be in the forefront of the future okay. um, and even when the you know the impact or in the implication of being green and climate smart is not evident today mm -hmm. it will necessarily be valuable to you in the future by the way a lot of companies invest you know a good chunk of their of their profit on r&d why do we do that it's because i'm not only focused on no. my income statement and now i'm also focused on my balance sheet and sort of in like future. thinking thinking forward so that's the the business side i think from the government side there will be maybe Three things that I would suggest. I think one will be, you know, there are some public good investments that government will need to make. Mm -hmm. um, infrastructure, for example, a lot of infrastructure are not, um, you know, are not investable, bankable projects. Yeah. So there will be some of these like large public good investments that government will need to make to ensure that the private sector can sort of like carry on um, and, and, and be more sustainable in the way we do things. Mm -hmm. So I think I would advise that government makes those kinds of investments. For example, if the city of Lagos is building the metro, we need to make sure that we're also building investments to climate-proof 
those infrastructure investments. Mm-hmm. I think there will need to be policies and regulation that makes it easy for the private sector um, to, to transition, to build, to invest in climate um, you know, in climate-friendly ways. And I think government needs to make sure that those policies are in place. And I think government will also need to engage with the global community on this topic. Uh, because necessarily a place like Nigeria, we're going to be achieving net zero maybe later than some other countries. Uh, mm-hmm. We will need partnerships, technology transfer, um, investments mm-hmm. from other countries. And so government will also need necessarily to, to collaborate with other governments and, and external partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, on on this topic. So, you know, I think when I engage these respective individuals, uh, you know, I'll have my pitch ready. But <laughs> more broadly, that's that's how I, I, I will think about, you know, each set of stakeholder I mean, on, this, on this topic. But it's, 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 this is an all of society thing. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned earlier, it's going to affect us for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. I saw a cartoon once in the middle of COVID where there was a picture showing COVID coming at us as society as a wave. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe you can think of it as maybe like a, you know, a 10 foot wave. Mm-hmm. And then I saw, and behind it was climate. Mm-hmm. And you can think of that climate wave as a 1000 foot wave. Oh, yeah. And so why we felt COVID very, you know, intimately in a very visceral way, the cartoonist was trying to convey to us that climate is even going to be bigger if we don't take it seriously. And so it's actually an appropriate question that, you know, the individual and the family level, we need to think about it. And at the business level, we need to think about it. Mm -hmm. And at the government level, we need to think about it as well. Yeah. Thank you very much, um, Tolu. It's been an engaging conversation with you. Thank you very much, Toby. Um, It's always good to have a soapbox to pontificate on. Um, And I appreciate you and Alon for the opportunity and, um, you know, uh, I, I, I'm excited and passionate about this topic and talking to people about it and learning about it as well. So I also look forward to actually hearing about what um, some of your other um, guests say mm-hmm. um, on this topic. But thank you for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having you around. <laughs>